Hello and welcome to the Place of Film podcast with your host Terry Rogier. Now, before you ask any more questions, what is the Place of Film podcast? The Place of Film podcast is a new podcast about film hosted by your truly Terry Rogier. And I hope it's something that becomes regular because, of course, I love film. And I just hope that this podcast is an outlet of that. And I just hope that this grows. Now, first of all, who am I? My name is Terry Rogier. Um, I am a hardcore film fan, or I label myself that. I know that all film all film is subjective and all, everyone has an opinion towards film. But I love film, and I hope that this podcast, again, is an, is an outlet of that. Um, so, a li- little bit more about me. My first experience to a film was the B-movie, ironically. Great. The bees become talking humans, I guess. Um, And I cried and I had to be escorted out of the film, I know. Very embarrassing, but I think from that point onwards, I think I just started to love film. I think the next film I saw after that was uh, WALL-E. Yeah, the great anime Asian movie by Disney, which still rings true today. Um, Our... Our generation is still facing the same problems that are addressed in that film, and that film still stays with me to this day. Um, so, as I said, um, I'm a very aware film fan, and I've been part of the film business. No, I'm not not part of the film business. That's not. I know about the film business, and I try and be in that sphere, I guess. And as I said. I want to grow my outlet and my passion for film and in future pass my studies. Hopefully I transition to full-time film criticism because that's what I want to do when I'm older or when I'm past my studies rather. So yeah, that's me. I'm just a guy who loves film, who loves films in general and just loves the entertainment that it brings me. I love to sit and watch a film and just intake that story and then after just delve into it analyze it the performances the actual story the the underlying plot points i love all of that that is kind of my niche and i re- I'm, i really enjoy all, all that when it comes to the film and film and just analyzing film in general what i'm trying to say people is that i love film so let's get into it so Hopefully, this film podcast becomes a regular thing. I hope that it's twice a week, although because I am currently studying, I do not know whether that is going to go to once a week or is going to go every time that I'm free or available. We'll see. But I'm hoping that this becomes a regular thing. Hope I am aiming for Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays and Thursdays. And for me to record it on sun Sunday evenings and Wednesday afternoons because that is when I will have less work from school to do. I've all worked it out in my head. I'm very precise. No, I'm not. I'm 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 only joking. But still, um. So I'm hoping that this becomes a twice a week thing. Although I will notify you guys if it's if I have to adjust my um timetable to that. So, yeah, 
um, in terms of uh, where to follow uh, where to follow the podcast on social media. On Instagram, we are the Place of Film. On Twitter, we are the Place of Film, and Stardust is is at the Place of Film. Um, if you don't know what Stardust is, it's a great app where film critics alike, or just anyone who has an opinion on film, like I do, like you do, like anyone listening to this podcast, can just come together and record three to thirty second reactions, and it's great. I would suggest you fo- you follow us there. In no way was that an ad or anything. That was just me saying how great the app is, and I'm going to be in- interacting on there. I do my 30 second review so I, so I think you guys should follow me on there if you want to see more like trailer reviews or just film reviews in general so let's get into it and uh, the first episode um hopefully you guys would have seen the trailer on all podcasting services that's also what I want to mention this podcast um although produced via anchor should be released to your Spotify's, to your Apple Podcasts, and to your Google Podcasts, if, if I'm just double-checking that right, but I think that is right. So, anyway, let's get into it. Um, so, your top three newsfeed of the day. Um, so, top three newsfeed of the day. The Birds of Prey trailer. The Birds, the birds of Prey trailer, if I can even speak English. Um, it's, I've just seen the trailer now, or I watched it for a second time, and I've got to say that I was unimpressed. It looks, it, it looks all over the place to me at least. The Harley Quinn character looks great, because from the trailer alone you see that Margot Robbie as the Harley Quinn character can go more in depth, and therefore... You can explore that character, and you can go full Harley Quinn, the full, the full insane character that we see in the comics. I'm sure that can translate. Ewan McGregor, as always, looks great in anything he does. Therefore, giving me more hope for the um, Obi Wan Disney Plus series coming soon. Um, but yeah, the whole trailer to me looked like a mess. But the character of Harley Quinn, I enjoyed. The plot still looks a bit... I don't really know what to think of the plot. But we'll see as we get a second trailer. Or like, no, second proper trailer. Because we've had that teaser. We were unimpressed. And personally, for me, although people are raving about it on social media, I do not think that was a solid first trailer. Because I think the story looks all over the place. I think... This, the only good thing that this trailer did was to highlight the character of Harley Quinn and just give us an indication of how crazy she is going to be or how crazy it's going to get, which I can appreciate. But apart from that, Ewan McGregor looks great. Not much details on the plot, but I think we'll get there more trailers and more uh, press-related things. But I'm really excited. I'm really excited for this film no doubt, because bad, bad films can have great trailers, and really good films can have really crappy trailers, so it's really a flip of the coin if you think about it. Um, yeah, so, Birds of Prey trailer, tell me tell me what you think down in the comments below, and let's get some fan in- interaction. 
to the second main topic of the day um being reported by Cinema Blend um the Black Widow film that's going to come out in 2020 has finished reshoots and really once a film has finished reshoots it really is at the end of its post production almost nearly and I think a Black Widow full trailer is coming very soon and I am very excited and yeah was there a trailer at Comic Con or D23 I cannot remember but I'm really looking forward to see more footage of this film and yeah I don't think it can make a billion because there's been conversations about this film like and its financial success I really don't think that this film can hit a billion I think it will hit anywhere between 650 million and 750 to even 900 although someone did raise a good good uh, point on the John Campier show in one of his open mics and said that if you look at a trend that Star Wars did a recent character got killed off in their major film e.g. Han Solo and then less than, than a year and a half later they make a spin-off film on that character and it's not well received <sighs> so realistically we don't know where that stands and we don't know if that is going to apply, apply but personally I think the Black Widow character is a character that is beloved by everyone and it the character itself has deserved a film since probably one of the very first Aven Avengers film so I'm very excited for this film and I can't wait to see like full footage because I do not think or to my memory that we have seen full footage or like full footage in trailer form so that was reported by Cinema Blend and moving on to the second part or the th the final story in our top three news feed today um, let me just get into my notes and here we are um, the t so our final story being reported by Variety is Christine Belson um, the lead Sony Animation has re-signed and is still being the head president of Sony Animation uh, remember Sony Animation just got that Oscar win for Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse and realistically if the Sp the Spider-Verse stuff is going to continue under Sp in the spider like animation style I think the Sony animation have got a real winner with that universe and especially um, with the rumours of a Madame Web film coming the whole plot behind or the whole backing behind this Spider-Verse animation uh, animated universe and the whole Spider-Verse in general at Sony it looks very interesting and now that Christine Bel Belson has re-signed as Sony Animation lead we can get great animated films because although Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse was their main film you still have a, a variety of great Sony animated films that are in the archive and I think what's more telling 
is that Christine Belson will, will also be hands-on with more television, which I think with now the rise of Apple TV and Disney+, Plus, I think every major studio, even Sony, at some point are going to release their own streaming service and I think this is also an indicator of potentially Sony moving towards a streaming service although that is just me theorizing that is nothing concrete that's just me theorizing anyway so that is the top three news feed done for this episode the top three news feed will be a daily news feed on our Instagram along with um, the box office review which is going to be late, later in this episode as well so go check out the Instagram and Twitter for everything like that on our daily social media posts um, so top three news feed and now we get now we get on to now we get on to um, our topics of the day now it is Joker release week people it is Joker release week the most anticipated film of the year for me at least and going into this year if you told me that a small Joker film would have been my most anticipated film above a Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker I would have told you you were insane but the buzz for this film has been insane and the fact is that it's finally here the controversy itself has probably helped this film I can see this film making anywhere between 80 to 100 million on box office opening and I think it's a guarantee since winning the Venice Film Festival it's a guarantee for an Oscar nomination and I think Joaquin Phoenix will win best leading leading male actor this year at the Academy Awards and so I realistically think um, it's opening Friday, but realistically, it opened Thursday at probably around 10 p.m. worldwide because technically it's midnight screenings, but you know, cinemas need to get that money in, so they they kind of open it earlier. So it technically opens on October 2nd, but no, on October 3rd. But sorry, I got the dates mixed up. But it's. It's kind of an unwritten rule that now cin- now cinemas are trying to open these blockbusters, and I wouldn't even call Joker blockbusters, but these majorly anticipated films earlier so that they can cash in right away, which is just a shame because if in principle a film releases on Friday, for me at least, as a traditional movie fan, I'd expect it to open, open Friday. However, so it opens technically opens Thursday. I won't complain about that anymore. And let's just move on. Um, so, to recap that, I think Joker, the anticipation, I think it's going to do an 80 to 100 million opening. You can guarantee that. And if it doesn't, I will be surprised. And I will be ashamed because this film looks so great. Whacking Phoenix, Zazie Beats, Robert De Niro, Todd Phillips. I, I can just list 10 consecutive factors of why this film is so great and why this film is going to be so great and realistically this film is probably my most anticipated film of the year and I cannot wait now let's 
move into our second topic of the day, which is the Irishman. Currently, since last time I checked, I'm going to have to check again. Bear with me, guys. Um, the Irishman. Um, the film by the three and a half hour, hour film by Martin Scorsese. It is still holding a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and the fact that it is still a hundred percent with. Let me check the amount of reviews it's got. Sixty-one reviews, and it still holds a hundred percent. Now, personally. The first trailer for me looked great. I know people had some critics of it because it looked a bit loose and it didn't look fully compact. And there were there were kind of complaints about the de-aging. And it is something that is mentioned by the reviews about how the de-aging potentially draws you back from the film. But the overall story still engulfs you to the point where you don't care about the de-aging at some point. Um, so this film, I think if you told me again, if you told me about a year ago that a Martin Scorsese Academy Award potential winner is going to be dropped by every major studio and go straight to Netflix, I would say that Netflix have finally got what they wanted. And because Netflix films division, there's always been some like, Oh, it's a Netflix film, so it isn't good. Now, now with the Irishman, they ha- and the King, which I don't think the King is going to get as much acclaim Oscar-wise, but I do think it could get nominated. But still, with the Irishman, w- with the success it's going at the New York Film Festival, and in, in soon it's going to open the, the it's going to be the headliner at the London Film Festival. Um, I just think that this film could be a major win for Netflix and I think Scorsese will 100% win Best Director I think it definitely has a shout to win Best Film and Best Cinematography Ugh. I just think this film looks great maybe the de-aging is a factor and but we'll see but the fact that it's still holding 100% and the fact that it's going to Netflix still baffles me but then again John Campion made a good point on on his show earlier this week about how... Look, this film, if you look at the facts, is a Martin Scorsese film. It is three and a half hours long. And and then potentially, the studios saw no potential way that this film makes any financial profit. And anyway, Netflix is making a huge net loss because it will not financially benefit from this film at all what they are banking on is that this film gets the Oscar buzz so that they get more subscription fees later down the line and I just think that it will achieve on that basis but but going back to my main point about why why major studios kind of red flag this film Martin Scorsese's last two films Silence with Liam Neeson and Andrew Garfield, which was a fantastic film, made no money, and personally I felt The Silence should have been the film that Andrew Garfield won, the, got the Best Acting nomination from that year, but alas, he was great in Hacksaw Ridge, although I thought his performance in Silence 
was a tiny bit better, but to my chagrin. So yeah, the the Martin Scorsese's last two films haven't been a major f- financial success. Robert De Niro and Joe and Joe Piet no Al Pacino. Al, Al Pacino, sorry, I'm getting these confused. Um, Al uh, Joe Pacino is the guy from the 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 other um, Robert De Niro film. However, but it's Al Pacino, it's Robert De Niro, and I just think the last time those two went together in a film, like together, it did not make any success. And I just think that these fa- the factor that this film, potentially if released for a major theatrical release, would not have made any money for the studio. And the fact that it's three and a half hours long, no one, if it's not a major franchise film like a Star Wars or a Marvel, is going to sit through a three and a half hour film. I'm sorry, no one is going to do that. So, I think if you look at all the factors... I think this was the film that Netflix said, right, the studios have given up on this film, but it's Martin Scorsese. The plot has potential. We've got a great cinematographer on board. This film can be successful, and this could be our flagship of the Netflix film division. And this will... I I bet you that this film is the film that turns around the Netflix film division's reputation as a great... as a subpar to a great film production studio and I cannot wait until those discussions start and I can't wait till people are proved wrong about the Netflix film division anyway that is our two topics of the day um, done normally with topics of the day we would also have a Q&A but because this is the first episode um, we we were of course not going to do a Q&A but if you have any questions, leave them on our Instagram, Twitter, or in the comments down below. And we will do a Q&A next episode. And moving on, the film review for the, for this episode and the flagship topic for this episode, Ad Astra. The Ad Astra film review. I saw Ad Astra last weekend, but of course because of the scheduling, I can only record now. And the podcast is going to be released on Thursday. So, Ad Astra, it's a film produced by James Gray, um, known for Little Odessa. Um, Let me get back into my notes, because I have notes for this film. Um, Let me get into it. So, 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 so. Um, Anyway, guys, um, while I get my notes up, comment down below your thoughts on on Ad Astra and get the the film debate started. And so, Ad Astra is directed by James Gray, who directed Little Odessa in 1994. That was his flag first flagship thing, um, film, and yeah, that's what he's most known for. So, Ad Astra, director James Gray, and I will say that James Gray has been ambitious with how he tried to shoot this film, and I kind of felt sorry for him because. The studio wanted reshoots that he didn't want and had to cut the final scene of the film. And then that, that there was that whole controversy. So I kind of felt sorry for him. 
And in some parts, you can definitely see, especially with that moon buggy scene on the moon, that, that is in the trailers and the extended cut footage that we saw at um, certain film festivals, you can definitely see that that scene was added in, not not post-production, but, but in reshoots, because the studio wasn't happy with the current direction of the film. Because remember, this film was meant to be released a year ago, or six months ago, but we had no dates of a release date, and there was this very uncertainty about the film. Then there was this random Oscar buzz that came out of nowhere. I got on board, but now seeing the film, you'll see in a second, but I believe that this film has nowhere near a chance of an Oscar nomination. And personally, for the Brad Pitt main actor nomination, there is still a debate whether he was better in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or this film. I personally would lean to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but then then again, you'll see the Academy loves Brad Pitt. I'm sure he'll get a nomination for either one. But overall, this film isn't Best Picture winner. Potentially, Brad Pitt could get a nomination for this. But we will see. Um, anyway, for this film, um, it stars Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones. Both as the um, as the father and son dynamic. See, I think more, more and more Hollywood films are going going for this father and son dynamic and I think in so- sometimes it can play off great but I think in this film it does play off great but I think many other films are getting it wrong so let us actually get into the review this stars Brad Pitt um, and Tommy Lee Jones Brad Pitt known for Glorious Bastards and most recently Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, so the strength of this film it has a solid first half personally like for me, the first hour of this film, I I could say that if it was the first half of this film alone, this film could, I I could then see how, uh, and that solid first half had gone into the second half, I could definitely see this film potentially being nominated for an Oscar because of how solid, n- n- not not now, but if that solid, if that like film had been solid all the way throughout like the first half was that film um um Ad Astra could have definitely been nominated for best picture later this year um so it has a solid first half um again it's a really good performance by Brad Pitt which depending on who you talk to is better or worse than his performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood late earlier this year um and also i think tommy lee jones has a very underrated performance in the film he's like you see him all the way throughout the film in the video messages but i think i think where he really does shine through is that final like seven minutes where they have that massive scene and the the father almost gives up on the son and that dynamic plays very well and tommy Tommy Lee Jones um, plays that very well. Of course, Tommy Lee Tommy Lee Jones, known for um, Men in Black and The Fugitive of 1993. See, I have movie knowledge, people. Anyway, um, also, I'd like to shout out this film for its brilliant use of voiceovers. Because, as 
Brad Pitt is a calm Brad Pitt Brad Pitt's character is a calm individual. They reiterate that he has a low heartbeat, which I will get onto in a second because I have a gripe with that. But be, because of that, his character tends to go into monologues, like all voiceovers rather, rather into monologues, and I think it's very effective because there is a part of the film where he is isolated for a long period of time, and therefore those voiceovers pay pay dividends to the actual style and storyline plot and it goes really well hand in hand and I it's something that I can really appreciate the film for. Um so apart from the good use of voiceovers and the brilliant and the good performances by Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones, um I I can say that this film does a very good job at questioning deep and psychological questions. As I said, the father and son mentality, like what it is to be human and what it is to do your job and at what cost are they, and the use of manipulation about how, because at some point Brad Pitt's character is used by the space agency to get to contact his father and it's very, very interesting. So, and this question does a brilliant job at posing these very psychological questions and I can give it credit for that. Um, now onto its weaknesses. As I've said it has a poor second half and because of that poor second half I think the film has horrible pacing. The film drags and you just want the film to be over by the 1 hour and 45 minute mark. I was ready to leave that cinema because I just couldn't it's not that I want to close my eyes and go to sleep. It's just that the story overdragged and the story was done by one minute, one by one hour and forty five minutes, and it did not need to go personally for that extra twenty five minutes. I I would say. Um. Also, this film is boring and anticlimactic. Although, I, although I will, I will give myself another counterpoint with how. The film, at some point with the father and son stuff, is very, very entertaining because of how the father and son dynamic is about giving up and love and whether there was tru truly love. And it's very interesting. But after that scene, it becomes really unrealistic. He survives this massive asteroid field by himself in a spacesuit. Which then again goes on to my next downside point to this film. Is that it has logic holes. And not as in plot holes. It has logic holes. What I mean by logic holes is. How stuff gets done in the film. Seems so unrealistic. That you have to get on board with it. To enjoy the film. And sometimes if you're that type of film fan. It works for you. But for me at least. And and for most moderate film critics that I've seen, it did not work. And I think it really paid dividends when... It was another eye roll, eye roll for me, I guess. Re really, it was another eye roll. And I think this film towards the end had too many eye rolls. Um, so... so 
So it's boring and anticlimactic. And the actual ending scene where he says, I am calm, I am calm, I will live a normal life and I will learn to love. But it just is so underwhelming and is so... It kind of just drags you, drags you out of it. And that, and it goes on to my final point about the film: the overuse of two narrative plot points. First of all, the narrative plot point that he is alone and hasn't got an understanding of empathy or hasn't got the ability to love someone. And yes, that creates a great psychological point of view and like how to examine him as a character but once that's used too much and that's used too much as the character trope it gets boring and it just drags on also the other point like more so they keep referring to this one storyline point that he has a resting heartbeat of of 80 beats per minute and they keep referring to that and his calmness his calmness, his calmness, his calmness, his calmness. You see what I mean? It's like, yes, yes, it's a great plot point at the start. But once it gets dragged out and it's the explanation for everything in the film. And there is nothing under that. There is, although there is a great psychological question to that. There is no underlying storyline that feeds into that. Which really, for me, detracts from the story point being dragged out that much so for me it disappoints on that level and apart from that i think and that's my like five five negatives for this film um so i think i've had um let me count them let me count them anyway guys what did you think of that of and astra did you think it was a brilliant film and I'm totally wrong? Or do, or do you agree with me that it was an okay film? Um, I am just trying to get to my final statement. Um, so I have I had four strengths and one, two, three, four, five, six negatives. So currently the weaknesses win. Although in my in my final statement I will say this. It's a movie that had promise, but disappointed on many levels, especially in the second half. I would say this is still an okay to to an above average film, and it's worth a great night out just to see a great performance by Brad Pitt. So that is my review of Ad Astra, ladies and gentlemen. Tell me what you thought in the comments down below on Instagram, and you can also watch my quick instagram review like post that i will do later this evening but also the just interact with me on stardust on what you think and tag me in your stardust reviews because i just want to get that film interaction going and yes i'm very pleased that i went to see this film i saw this film with, with a great mate of mine called with a great mate of mine and that's the best way you enjoy film Although enjoying film on your own is a great experience, and I do it a lot, I think just seeing a film with a friend is just a great. It's a great night out. But I will still say that seeing a film on your own, and being able at the end to like question everything about it, and and now uh, analyze it in your brain 
It's still a feeling that I really enjoy. So that's my review for Ad Astra. As I said, comment down your thoughts down below. And yeah, um, I think that wraps up everything for our main topics. And I think we will start slowly heading on out. Uh, so remember um, that th this is the Place of Film podcast. I've been your host, Teo Rogier. And I hope you come back for more. And I hope the podcast becomes a regular thing. Not only that, but also follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at the place of film. There will be a social media slide currently as you're listening right now. But also um, follow us on Twitter at the place of film, social media slide. Follow us on Stardust, social media sign. But realistically, I hope you guys enjoyed. Comment down your thoughts down below. Like, like us on like, share, subscribe, turn on post notifications and li like us on every podcasting service and yeah enjoy um save the save a podcast playlist on spotify and i hope you and i hope you enjoy i've been terry rogier i've been your host and this is and you've been listening to the place of film podcast hit the outro